What if everything came with a free Star Wars audiobook from Audible? Like at the cantina. I'll take a half-calf spotchka. Lightweight. Here's your free audiobook download for Master and Apprentice from Audible. Or getting your pod racer serviced. My pod racer needs upgrades to the coupling and stabilizer. And here's your free audiobook download for Resistance Reborn from Audible. Life in the galaxy doesn't work that way, but there is one place you can go where you can get a free Star Wars audiobook from Audible. And that's utini.com slash audible. Click the Audible logo and start your 30-day free trial, which includes a free audiobook download. So visit utini.com slash audible and get your free Star Wars audiobook download today. Hi, I'm Michael Morisi, author of Star Wars, The Clone Wars Battle Tales, and you're listening to The Living Force Podcast. Welcome to the Living Force Podcast. We need a statement, not a manifesto. A Utini production. Oh, it's beautiful. Episode 74, Dr. Afro Roundtable. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. On this episode, new Utini Patreon subscribers. I find your lack of faith disturbing. An update on Star Wars book releases. All right, Ben, load your weapon. And the Utini team talks about the Dr. Afra audio drama by Sarah Kuhn. Continue with the operation. You may fire when ready. And now, here are your hosts. Dr. Corey Helton, Eric Eilerson, Dr. Charles Hankel, and Wes Jenkins. Utini! All right, welcome! Welcome to the Living Force. I am the wettiest podcast host that has ever been. I am Eric Eilerson. Hey, what's up, everybody? <laughs> I am joined tonight... As always, by the doctors, we have Dr. Corey Helton. Hey, buddy. What's up? What's up? What's up? Do I have mic audio this week? I see it there. Look I see that. it there. What's up? It's a miracle. We have you. Yeah, we also have the other doctor, Dr. Charles Hankel. What's up, buddy? Hello there, guys. I'm so wetty for this. Charles. <laughs> Charles Hankel. Charles Hankel. Oh, I'm a little bit. Oh, I'm done with this. I don't like this bit. Wes, what's up? You're here, too. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? Hope you all enjoyed Utini game night last week with my alter ego. Oh, my God. So I'm fun. still not recovered from the glory that that was. That was that an was incredible fantastic. time. So good. Uh, and we are going to be talking more about that later in tonight's show. Uh, but I want to start off with a little bit of, uh, of news for y'all. First of all, wow, you know what? Welcome, welcome to the chat. Welcome to everyone hanging out this Monday night on The Living Force. If you are new, we're so happy to have you. You'll find one of the most positive, inclusive fan communities in the Star Wars universe. We are part of Utini.com, where you can find reviews, book guides, articles, all kinds of great stuff. you got to check out Utini for everything that is going on in the Star Wars expanded universe. Today, we are going to be talking about the Dr. Aphra audio drama later on in the show. Do a little mini roundtable about it. Charles said he wasn't going to do prompts. He was going to take time off. But Charles, you lied, did you not? I lied. I do it on occasion. Uh, (laughs) Sorry for being prepared. You know what? I'm not sorry for you being prepared because we are lucky you're here. And we'll hit those in a little bit. But before we do a little bit of news on the Star Wars front, it wasn't a huge week for Star Wars. Um, That being said... By the time this episode comes out on Friday for everyone, it will be in the midst of what should have been Star Wars Celebration. So, mm. who knows what's happening at as of right now. Do you guys think we're going to get any announcements this week later on? Yeah. it's a good question. Maybe? Yes? I think so. Charles, they, I mean, yes. they had to have had things planned for it, right? Yeah, I, mean, I, I would I hope so. so. I assume. I don't no, know. No, I was going to wing it. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. They haven't said there's going to be any announcements. But that would be an announcement. We all know that 
That's, that's, that's true. true. Well, whatever there that's is, true. we'll talk about it on next week's show. This week, however, only a couple things I want to mention. First of all, this Friday, I believe, August 28th. Is that right? That's the 28th. Um, an amazing website called Project Stardust is launching, uh, created by our very own Meg Dowell. This is a freaking awesome project that's been coming together for months and months. It is a website created by female Star Wars fans and female writers, creators, editors that are showing an awesome space where women and everyone, honestly, can go and read articles for that perspective and feel safe in Star Wars, feel awesome about Star Wars. So, um, Meg, congratulations. Guys, this is huge that Meg put this all together. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to have her on the show in a couple weeks, too, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we got that on the calendar. That's going to be September exciting. September so. 24th? That yep. sounds like a real date. Something like that. She and uh, one of her co-editors are going to come on the show and tell us all about the project. And uh, it's going to be awesome, so be sure to check that out. Um, I don't know if we have the URL for the website. Is it just going to be projectstardust.com? I believe it sounds is. Um, and you can also right. go on Twitter, um, follow Project Stardust. Instagram, follow Project Stardust. They're, they're very... Very good about all their social media promotion. Um, way quicker than we ever were, that's for sure. So that's congratulations right. on that. I can't wait to read your articles and see what you're creating. going to be amazing. Um, one other thing I wanted to uh, talk about on a, on a slightly serious note, and then we'll end on an upswing. Um, Beth Revis is, is an author that wrote Rebel Rising, uh, one of our favorite YA novels that gets not talked about as much as it should, and some uh, from a certain point of view stories. She had a, uh, her husband had heart surgery. Like today or yesterday, like right after his birthday, and a couple Star Wars authors kind of put out the call to the Star Wars community because there's a GoFundMe because um, medical bills are awful and very hard. So I just wanted to say, hey, Utini community, if you got a couple bucks, there's a Star Wars author that needs a little bit of help. So you can go on Twitter, um, you can Google anything like that. Beth Revis is her name, um, and her husband had heart surgery. And I think if we can help out, that'd be really cool because Star Wars communities, I think we're huge. I think we love our authors, and I think it's a good way to show it. So, shout out! Oh, I, I just uh, I just checked this out too. It looks like they he had a heart transplant. Transplant, actually, which is Jeez. pretty crazy. Wow, she has some very really interesting tweets. Uh, kind of hopeful, beautiful things that she said. These are pretty cool. Check it out, Beth Revis. Yeah, yeah. So, our, our, and all our thoughts too going to Bev and your fam or Beth and your family. Um, quick recovery, and uh, may the force be with you, and all that. Uh, Corey, you put one more thing in our outline here. Can you add one more event that we would like to celebrate? Yes, absolutely. Uh, Rob Neese's birthday was this week. He's Rob! been around in our, in our patron community for uh, a good while. So happy birthday, man. I think he's hanging out with us in the chat tonight, too. So uh, happy belated, buddy. Yeah, we're so glad that you're around. We're so happy that you're here. And to all of our watchers, listeners, patrons, if you got a birthday, let us know. That's great. Hopefully you got some Star Wars books. Hopefully your your friends and family all used the URL affiliate links at utini.com. I mean, I'm just saying. That'd be a great birthday present. Um, but, Rob, happy birthday. Moving on from that, a couple podcast updates. Y'all, we had the second episode of one of our new live shows last week with Utini Game Night. Wes, would you like to tell us how that went? Well, I'll give you quite an update. Uh, <laughs> first, first, I started out by... Not grooming myself, so I grew my hair long, and uh, I wore my <laughs> I wore my gaming glasses, and I played a little Star Wars Battlefront 2004 edition, which was the first make of Battlefront, and it showed. 
It was quite old, but uh, it played pretty well because I have, you know, 2020 graphics on a, you know, 16-year-old game. Um, <laughs> but it was fun. It had a great time. I was beating levels. I The longest I had on redoing a level was probably five times until I hit Geonosis, and I time-stamped it at over two hours I was playing <laughs> this one level that I kept losing at, and um, it's it's been irking me ever since, and I think... Honestly, it was that level, because I went to a different level right after that, and I beat it immediately. Um, so, again, I hope you all had fun, and I also apologize for uh, making you go through that. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was so fun to watch, because like you'd, you'd beat it, and you'd, the chat would be like, all right, this is it. We'll probably adjust the difficulty or choose another planet. No. Wes, you were committed. <laughs> you had your mission. You were going to do it. Uh, it, was a, it, was, it was a total like walk back in time too, man. Like I logged a lot of hours playing Battlefront back in the day. Oh yeah, and, like like I, I actually fired up Battlefront two, which two thousand five I think was Battlefront two. I fired that up and played that for like thirty minutes today, just for just for the heck of it. And it doesn't, ha- it has a completely different feel than Battlefront one does. Like, yeah, Battlefront one has got all those like all those like video footage from like the original trilogy and stuff yeah, in it and like right, right. I, was like, I was like man this is this is awesome like i i don't own the first battlefront on my computer i've been kind of thinking about getting it because yeah so you gotta wait to till watch, a steam so. sale has it on sale for like 75 cents or something <laughs> yeah i'm so glad that we started to do this game night thing like this has given us an excuse to like go back and play older stuff and we have like man everybody's so jacked about it on the team the, yeah, the lineup is like booked out like a month and a half or something like that of people that want to play and i think uh who is this week Wes, emma. is it em- this week is emma's emma playing this week yeah emma's playing this week and i think she's gonna play some modern battlefront so it'll be fun to kind of see the uh comparison there and emma is uh she's kind of a badass at battlefront <laughs> yes. too. um so it's gonna be pretty fun to watch i think yeah so tune in wednesday night on this very channel, 7 p.m. Eastern, Emma is going to take time out of her insane school week. Emma, we're thinking of you. We got your back. Zoom messed up the entire country today. You're going to be okay. We got you uh, <laughs> to play some Battlefront 2, so definitely come in and check that out. One more thing we launched because, I don't know, it's August. That's what we do. Uh, on <laughs> last Friday, which is not its normal night, we launched the first ever live Legends Look Back episode. And y'all... This show used to be behind the paywall. It used to be audio only. We abolished both of those in one fell swoop as Jared and Freddie came on for a live show, and I loved it. I thought they did a great job. Yeah, it was fantastic. The theme looks great. Ryan did such a killer job adjusting our, our sort of branding and stuff to match the Legends look like sort of a 90s retro theme. It looks fantastic. And going, like... I'm not sure if nobody has ever tried like this type of production, especially when you have multiple people. Like it's one thing to do like a live Twitch show with multiple people, but to do it like when everybody is remote and like we have cameras that are like all transmitting to one place, like it's a huge production. And like I think that Jared and Freddie did an absolutely killer job for it to be their first time ever. Like it looked super professional, and like I'm super proud of that. And man, their show is so much fun to watch. So I'm, I'm really glad that it's live. Uh, that's going to be uploaded to YouTube later this week. And uh, we're going to push it out to its own podcast feed, too, this week as well. So uh, I'll make sure sure we announce that. But you'll be able to find Legends Look Back as its own independent podcast in iTunes in the next week or so. And uh, we'll be sure to let you guys know when we do that. It's like they, they're taking their steps. They're flying away from the nest. Other metaphors <laughs> about aging. My uh, boys. Congratulations. Congratulations, Jared Freddie. It's a great show. And there's going to be a bunch of guests coming on that soon. I know Patrick is going to be on that show soon as well. So keep your eyes peeled and your ears 
Uh, don't peel your ears. You get what I mean. Um, <laughs> <laughs> moving on to Patreon updates, my friends. Our Patreon, as we said, it did just lose Legends Look Back, but it gained a family or something like that. We want to thank, though, three members of the family that just joined in, including Bria McClanahan, Nate Guthrie, and Jedi Pig. All just joined the Patreon this past week, so thank you all so much. We're so excited to have you there. As a reminder, even though Legends Look Back is now outside the paywall, you're still getting episodes of Lightspeed Skipping, which just came out today. There was some insanity with me, Meg, Heather, Wes, and Jared. Uh, it got very silly, and I really loved that episode. And of course, every Wednesday, Charlie and I are still releasing The Ghost Crew, where we go through Star Wars Rebels one episode at a time. Everything at patreon.com slash utini. All right. This week, I have stolen aggressively the Patron of the Week segment from Charles. I'm sorry, buddy. You got a whole roundtable. I had to do something. <laughs> That's fair <laughs> enough. The people are going to hear my voice enough tonight. <clears throat> it's going to be really, really fantastic. But tonight, we wanted to highlight uh, a patron that is very dear to our hearts, and that is Cheryl Bell. Uh, Cheryl has been a patron for a while now. She's been a, a phenomenal friend in the community to us, and she sent us something that I would like to read to you all just now. So here we go. She says, Hi, everyone. My name is Cheryl. I live on Vancouver Island in Canada. I'm so jealous, Cheryl. And I'm a Patreon member of the Living Force Pod at Utini. I became a patron in March of this year. My Star Wars journey is a long one, so I'm actually going to try to condense it as best I can. Star Wars has basically always been a part of my life. I was born the year before Return of the Jedi came out, so I grew up watching the original trilogy with my family on VHS. Yes, OG. Nice. We're the type of family that when we really love a movie, we watch it repeatedly, much to the chagrin of my mom. So when I say that I've watched all the films hundreds of times each, I have. I fell in love with Han Solo at a very young age, probably five or six years old, as my favorite character of all time, and he remains so to this day. Liking Star Wars wasn't cool when I was a kid. I didn't really have anyone to share it with. I didn't go around telling people I loved Star Wars the same way I didn't tell many people I was a huge Michael Jackson fan in the mid-90s. I remember when the prequels came out, I was super excited and in full-blown Star Wars mode at the time. 98-99 was also around the time that I discovered Star Wars Insider magazines as well as the books. I luckily managed to pick up Heir to the Empire as one of my first reads, and I was hooked on Timothy Zahn's trilogy. I absolutely adored the characters he introduced. I also loved how he wrote Han. I was always thinking, yeah, this is totally something, this is totally something Han would say or do. And he finally wrote my shipping of Luke and Mara into existence in his book, Vision of the Future. I was very happy. And then Star Wars sort of faded for me for a bit. I stopped reading the books. There were no new movies. Life happened as it does. And then one day, I heard Disney bought the franchise and did away with all those EU stories, which at first upset me. But then I thought about it, and it totally made sense they had to do it. And then came the sequel trilogy. I was so freaking excited and was back to having Star Wars more regularly in my life again. I watched The Last Jedi eight times in the theater. It's hard saying, Cheryl. I fell in love with the new characters, especially Ben Solo. So then, we come to my discovery of Star Wars podcasts. I started a new job in September of 2019, and where I work, we're allowed to listen to whatever we want. That is when I discovered Spotify for the first time, and after listening to music for a couple months, I had the epiphany of realizing, hey, I can listen to Star Wars soundtracks. So I plugged Star Wars into the search bar, and lo and behold, I saw the greatest single discovery in my history of fandom since the books. Star Wars podcasts. Mind blown. So I started listening to podcasts for a few weeks after The Mandalorian started. The first podcast I ever listened to, and completely chose at random, was Friends of the Forest by the lovely Brad Whipple. 
One On one of his From a Certain Point of View episodes, he had Eric on as a guest. Eric talked about his website called Utini that helped people get into the EU. It was then that I was reminded about Star Wars books and was like, you know, maybe I should start reading Star Wars books again. I also remembered how daunting the Star Wars EU timeline could be. So I decided I was going to go check out this Living Force podcast that Eric was a part of. I absolutely loved listening to Eric, Corey, Charles, and Wes. Their humor, the way they bounced off one another, Eric's amazing hosting ability, and the total laugh-out-loud, off-the-rail moments were what made me absolutely love the pod. I remember when I got the Discord invite when joining Patreon, and most importantly, I remember how I felt when I was introduced myself in the Introductions channel and the overwhelming response I got from so many warm and welcoming people. Never underestimate the importance of that channel, guys, because this was a huge moment for me. The Discord and the live chats with the Utini team and its community has meant so much to me, and I'm never going to be able to thank you all enough for that. To have friends to talk to and geek out with about Star Wars has been something that I've always wanted, but never had. Well, Cheryl, you do now. And we are so freaking happy to have you. That was beautiful. Thank you. Ugh. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, thank absolutely. you. Absolutely. Cheryl's been around for a long time. Um, she's been like kind of one of our absolutely more loyal folks that we've had <clears throat> had in our patreon uh it's always fun to hang out with her she's she's at our uh we do aftermath it's like a little get together post show kind of hang out for the uh, uh inquisitorious tier and up on patreon and she's like always there and uh, cheryl we've absolutely loved having you in our community you're a ton of fun um i'm super glad to be able to honor you as the patron of the week this week absolutely all right, last couple things before we're going to hit a quick ad break and then come back to Charles for Afra Talk. Book news and book releases, everyone. We are about to go into a busy couple of weeks. We have a couple of books I have next to me right here. This week, tomorrow, August 25th, we have The Clone Wars, Stories of Light and Dark being released. And then next week, we have Thrawn Ascendancy, Chaos Rising, September 1st. This is going to be a big one. I can guarantee it. Then we have a little bit of a break. November 10th, from a certain point of view, Empire Strikes Back, and Alphabet Squadron, Victory's Price, March 2nd, 2021. And of course, the High Republic is in the middle of all that as well. I would encourage you guys, if you want something to read in the break between Thrawn and from a certain point of view, you can go on to Utini, find some Legends books, find some canon you need to catch up on, or pick some Star Wars authors, go find their other books they're writing and support them that way. All right, Charles... Uh, I hope you are hyped up enough from that uh, Utini Game Night ad to talk about Dr. Afra. Are you up for the challenge, I'm ready, man? man. I've used my adrenal stems, and I'm ready to hop into this <laughs> conversation. Uh, Let's go. About Dr. Afra. So, guys, we're going to start with a quick plot synopsis like we normally do. Uh, Dr. Afra, intergalactic archaeologist, agent of chaos, and wisecracking smartass, has never exactly had trouble finding trouble. But when the infamous Darth Vader <laughs> enters her life, her usual level of havoc is amplified. With newfound droid companions Triple Zero and BT-1, Afra is given a new mission, secretly working for Vader to help consolidate his power, strike back at the fledgling rebellion, and uncover secrets from the past. Despite their working partnership, Emperor Palpatine suspects that something is amiss, and Dr. Afra soon learns that some secrets are best left unearthed. So, gentlemen, rate this audio drama... From a one to ten, but don't say just why yet. Eric, what do you got? Whew, okay. I it's been a while since I reviewed this one, so I legit don't remember what I put on the site. So that's fun. I'm gonna say eight <clears throat> point four. Eight point four. Yeah. That sounds very well thought out. Sure. And not at all arbitrary. It, it does, doesn't it? All right. Yeah. Corey, what do you got? Sorry. 
so I always try to do my my book reviews in context, right? Like of like all the other books that we've reviewed before, and like I always pull up the uh, uh, the teen reading order page on the website. Ooh, someone because, did work uh, and research. Cool. That's, that's right. right. And I'm definitely not browsing the site and just trying to stall. So the <laughs> numbers. Um, yeah. So like looking looking at kind of the ranges of stuff that I have here, I. think think i'm gonna give this one a seven and a half okay all right all right wes what do you think man well i did listen to it all the way through and i chunked it up a couple bits i'm gonna say 7.2 7. all right 2. i like it i think i Charles think these are all good answers and i'm kind of right right around there with you i'm gonna say 7.3 I thought you said, and I, but I'm kind of right. Well, <laughs> Those are good, but I'm right. <laughs> Eric, you always grossly overshoot all of our scores. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, I, I only grossly shoot them if I like them a lot. The end. All right, well, you I'm know what? He's got, he's got about an hour to defend his answer, right? So I do. I do. So let's jump right, right in because this right. is just oh. a one-parter, guys. We're going to kind of fly through this one. Um, But to kind of open up, you know, obviously this audio drama told a story that had already really been told in the comics. So how do you feel about taking a story that's really already been done and retelling it in a new format? I think it's a really cool idea. I think that there there is the risk you can run about not being quite original. But the way Sarah Kuhn wrote it, I think it showed, oh, this is this can be a different experience. Like even if I knew some of the plot points, I think it was a really cool way to illustrate the differences between audio storytelling and visual comic storytelling. I like that as an experiment. Hmm. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. Like, um I definitely think that Doctor Afra is uh like a worthy enough character to have that done sure. to. Yeah. Um, and I, I you know, I think I think it is particularly a good idea in this particular case because Dr. Afra is a comic character and we all know that the comic characters are a little, a little more skipped over, I think by a large part of the community. So, yeah. um, you know, having, having a comic character brought to life in a different medium, I think is really, really cool. So I'm, I'm all about it. I would love to see this done with other comics actually. Um, like the Vader comic would, would be pretty cool to kind of see adapted into maybe a novel or to, uh, other stuff. I like retellings of stories. Like comics are very unique in their ability to tell a story. So, um, I was a big fan uh, when they announced this, that they were going from a comic to audiobook. Well, drama, audio drama. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I think that that really you're just going to bring more people in on these characters and more people in on these stories mm-hmm. because not everyone reads comics. We know that. Not everyone listens to audio dramas or, or reads the books either, and we know that. But kind of the more different mediums that you use, the higher chance that these characters kind of become, uh, I don't know, part of the mainstream. So um, now, did you all both read all of the Associated Comics before you came to this project? I think I yeah. did. I'm pretty, yeah. At I'm least some sure of them. That I, yeah, I think, honestly, it might have been when they were coming out, though. So it had been a long enough time that I didn't remember every beat. Right. But I definitely read Vader down. I definitely read all the the Vader comics as they were coming out. I didn't always read all the Afra books herself. Sure. But those really weren't featured here. So, yeah. 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 As, I, as I'm talking about it, yeah, I totally <laughs> did. <laughs> yeah. I think i might have i'm kind of with eric i can't remember if I've, I've read them like you guys know i don't i don't read comics kind of as they come out or digital or anything mm-hmm. but like i do have a whole bunch of the uh the hardcovers mm-hmm. back there actually right wherever that light is shining on the wall <laughs> is kind of where all the actually that might be afro 
next to my head that you can see. I can't tell if it is or not. Anyway, um, I, I've read the hardcover Afra, but I don't know if all of Afra is com- contained in that hardcover. I cannot remember. Like, we're working on this part of the Utini site right now, where we like break <laughs> down like what comics are in what graphic novels mm-hmm. and in what hardcovers and that sort of thing. And I cannot remember if the Doctor Afra hardcover contains all of the single issues. I think it contains most of them, and I haven't right. read that. Yeah, it's been a long well, time. Well, then, so as you know, people who are at least familiar with the character before ever coming to this project, how did you feel about Emily Wu Zeller's depiction of Afra? Was it spot on for you? Did it translate well, like from the character that you knew in the panels to the audio form? or was it a little over the top like how did you feel about the performance i think it definitely took some getting used to like it was it's over the top yes absolutely it's over the top but like that's kind of how afra is in the comics Mm -hmm. and like i found myself asking the question a lot that we ask when we're talking about like marvel movies right is like do comic characters when you translate them into something else like live action for example like you have to be cognizant that they are comic characters right like spider-man has been done a whole bunch of times and like Tom Holland kind of captures, I think Spider-Man better than most other people do. And he, because he gets kind of both the wittiness and so the comic characters have like certain characteristics. I think that you have to sort of overact to get them out. And I think that that was sort of what happened. It did take some getting used to though, for sure. It bothered me for a little bit, but I got used to it. Yeah. I, th- I think for me, honest, honestly, Emily Wazeller's performance made me like the character even more than I ever had in comics before, to be honest. I think that her, like, theatricality she had in her in her voice performance, I think, really helped. Cause to, to your point, Corey, like, it's a little much. And I think, to me, I read that as a theatrical choice. And, and given my... Yeah, I, I did, too. Yeah, yeah. But, like, given my performance background, like, I, I, I gave into that a little easier just because of what I've read and things sure. like that. Which is, like, again, to each their own. And I think that that helped me get in quickly. And I think that Wu Zeller... Just with the levels she went through from highs to lows really got me invested in the audio. Because I think when you're looking at something, right, you can follow along a little easier. What Even if it's static art, you can follow, like, a character's literal movement or their ideas. And she had to do literally everything with her voice. And I think she did it super effectively. And I, I super dug it. I really liked her a yeah. lot. And she's because of her, I'd probably honestly rather hear another Afra audio drama than maybe a, just, like, read an Afra comic straight up. Yeah, I would totally agree with that, and that's that's really a way to put it. Like, like to look at it as a theatrical choice. I think that's I sort of fell into that. It took me a little longer to kind of get into that, but like, like you can't get away from the fact that audio dramas are unique, and right. like we don't really know exactly what to expect with Star Wars audio dramas because we only have two now, right? So uh, I certainly was were, was able to keep a super open mind about the performance um mm-hmm. yeah uh, jose in the chat actually just asked an interesting question he said was i okay with the first person storytelling because everybody knows that <laughs> i'm not a big fan of i jedi and that book is like the only star wars book that's first person and i didn't mind it at all actually and i think it was because of the context in which it was told like right. it, it was like uh it's like lando doing his uh little recording or whatever like like in the in the solo film so i didn't mind it at all actually um you know i think if i had to give any small amount of criticism i think i would i would say i kind of wish that there was a little more of the other characters now i don't know if if that was because 
purely because of writing or if it was because of COVID and the difficulty of kind of recording all their audios. Like we, we talked to Sarah Kuhn about how challenging it was to film this all remotely and record it all remotely. So maybe that had something to do with it. But I think that Afra is, I don't know, guys, what do you think? Like 80% of voice Oh yeah. The voice At least 80. Like it's a, yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. Like, and, and I, I don't think it was quite that, that much in the Dooku. No, cause you got Asajj Ventress, like, like a pretty healthy amount in mm-hmm. that too. Yeah. Right, right, right. So like, I, I did notice that, and I was like, well, I mean, I kind of hate that we got this really cool new format of an audio drama, and uh, we're not getting a lot of other characters, or at least a lot of screen time for other characters. But, you know, that's kind of the medium of a comic being told in this format. So, you know, I can get behind it. Yeah, I mean, for what it's worth, I think that uh, Emily Wuzelli did a great job, right? I, I think that she did she was true to Afra because Afra is that larger than life character that you're mentioning, Corey. And so I think that, you know, did she feel a little bit over the top? The answer is yes for me as well. Like there was a sort of a buy-in um, process, but once I was bought in, I was all about it and I really enjoyed it. And I, I think she did a great yep. job. And Wes, what about you, man? Did you find, uh, what are your sort of thoughts on uh, your sort of thoughts on, kind of her character like the amount of voice acting she had like were you like super used to it immediately did you take some getting used to i guess it took some getting used to um but i kind of liked it um and the fact that they've been talking about before i had listened to it they've been talking about the um like the lando tv series and then they're always talking about having it be the from the lando calrissian chronicles or something like that um so i was like this is kind of the same thing Mm -hmm. Um, but I had never, I didn't read any of the comics beforehand, so it was all new to me. Um, so, I mean, it might have taken some getting used to, but not long. I kind of liked it. Yeah. Yeah. And now y- sure. both of, totally. both of y'all have mentioned the Calrissian Chronicles that we saw in Solo, a Star Wars story. And, you know, there were a few different similarities, I think, between this project and that, even though we just got a very small amount of it in that movie. Um, you know, obviously it's first person, it's that person talking about their adventures, but I think even more notably is that there's an unreliable narrator, right? I mean, at one point in this story, Afra even says the the phrase, you shouldn't even trust me to tell my own story, right? So what do you think that introduces, you know, in stories in general and then specifically with Afra? And I mean, do you like that? Oh man, I thought that was... That was, like, the most rad choice of this whole project for me. Like, I, I loved the fact that, you know, every so often she would stop and be like, yeah, delete that. Or and then so it's like, cool. So I'm listening to this. What has she deleted that I haven't heard? Like, I think that, that right. little bit of, you know, we're only getting her perspective. She's only giving us what she wants, which made those little moments where she would get really honest and really vulnerable from time to time, like, really impactful. Yeah. So I, I loved that right. choice, and I thought it was, it was honestly really brave, though, because that could have gone – horribly bad and yeah, i think it worked it could have and like it, it allowed for some kind of interesting creative storytelling too mm. like the whole uh that, that, that little heist bit right where where she like went back and said the uh kind of what was the wookie black character black chrysanthemum black chrysanthemum yeah. yeah black chrysanthemum like 
when when she introduced him and was like, "Oh yeah, I left out that little detail that like he was <laughs> all involved in the in this plot," and and like that was really cool creative storytelling. I think that we were able to sort of get, and I think that that also sort of ties into my answer of like why I didn't really mind the first person storytelling is because it was done so uniquely. I think that it it didn't feel jarring at all. Yeah. Absolutely. So I, I mean, I agree, guys. I, I think it was a great choice, and I think it played particularly well with this character because she is that scoundrel. She is unreliable inherently. I think so. Yeah. That was a yeah. lot of fun. But I want to get to one of the hard hitting questions that I have here in my prompts. In chapter six, Afra thinks to herself, "Does Darth Vader eat tea and cookies? Does Darth Vader eat period?" <laughs> and I think that's a great question. What is Darth Vader's favorite food? Go. That is a very good question. I've often wondered how has that been addressed anywhere in the expanded universe? Like, surely we're not the first people to ask this. No, question guys, it's like, easy. Darth Vader's favorite food is vengeance. <laughs> I think, and that's, that's was, all he eats. Like the new the new Batman yeah. trailer. <laughs> it's Vader. I was yeah. gonna say spaghetti, but, that, but yeah, vengeance. Vengeance and spaghetti—they go very well together. But I think that's that's a great point though, because like I feel like in in Plagueis doesn't he like not eat for three years or something because the dark side is feeding him and like Bane doesn't I like there was one of the dark side like, like sustains crap. people so I don't know uh, yeah. okay well, I was just curious something that I thought we needed to get to but you know let's let's talk more about the story in this in this audio drama because even though it was adapted from all of these comics there was some new story in this project. And we actually talked mm-hmm. to Sarah Kuhn about this a lot. So go listen to the interview if you haven't heard that yet. But the bulk of that new material really came from this romantic relationship between Dr. Afra and Sonistaros. So what were y'all's thoughts on getting an LGBTQ woman of color as the protagonist of one of Star Wars's first forays into canon audio dramas? Like this is this is pretty cutting edge stuff, right? Like not just the the audio drama format for Star Wars, but mm-hmm. you know the the choice of the leading role it was awesome. It was freaking awesome, and I th- yeah. like. There's really no way to round it. <laughs> yeah, it like fantastic. And and we and we like you said, we asked Sarah Kuhn about it, and she's like, "Oh yeah, no, that was that was very intentional. That was very much thought of." And you know, Afra has been such a great character uh for the queer community and to to really focus on the romance between her and and sana was so great because it like i I feel like a lot of times in sci-fi and fantasy in the past like whenever there are any kind of queer romances one of them usually dies or like it's always tragic and and in this one like yeah they had breakups but there was like giddy schoolgirl like crushes happening and it was just it was fun and sweet and very much in character and it didn't jump out as like what a weird thing or like they're really forcing it like it was just a romance part of the book and i thought it was handled super well i also thought the way she talks about sana is like well yeah she's uh, how could you not just fall off of whatever ledge you were holding on to whenever she walks around um yeah but yeah i think it i mean obviously we we noticed it and we were like this is great so i can't imagine what it was like. like being a queer woman of color listening to this and hearing yourself represented in that way must have just been incredible and like way overdue yeah totally and we we talked about that a, a lot like at utini like we want people to i i want people to feel like star wars is for them i want mm-hmm. i want it to be a universe they can escape to i want them to feel like like they could be the 
the superhero in the story, right? And yeah. like the more representation I think we get in, in, in Star Wars, the easier that becomes. Like people can see this and you know, it's this is easier for a couple of a couple of white guys talking about Star Wars <laughs> to say because like, you know, Star Wars has always been full of white guys, right? Like right. so it's cool to it's cool to see uh, I really like that people can see themselves in the story. So, and you know, I, this is really interesting that we're talking about this kind of this week too cuz last week in the Star Wars publishing world, we had a little bit of controversy um kind of surrounding the Bounty Hunter comic, kind of mm-hmm. got a lot of bad press. Um and so we've been talking a lot about um What's the uh, refrigerator thing? Oh, uh, women in refrigerators trope. Women in refrigerators yeah. trope. Yeah, so super interesting. You can look this up. It's on Wikipedia, actually, women in refrigerators. Mm-hmm. And uh, back in the 90s, uh, there was uh, a group of female comic writers that kind of got together and, and decided that they were going to sort of shine a light on the fact that comic characters, particularly women, uh, it just seems crazy to even think about that, that it was only women de- at the time. And now we have so much more representation in, in, in comics. But like then it was even controversial for women to be um, kind of featured heavily in comics. And this is in the 90s even. And so they they built an entire website kind of surrounding um, this trope that whenever girlfriends or significant female superheroes are introduced in comics they're frequently killed off rather quickly they are not able to kind of return whereas batman can get killed a hundred times and can always come back in a future comic Mm -hmm. like female characters tend to die and then stay dead and like this is very similar to that like we've seen this over and over again and uh it sounds like the you know i haven't actually read the bounty hunter comic but i did kind of see some of the panels that people were kind of talking about on, on twitter and stuff and it sounds like Maybe they pigeonholed some female and some um, LGBTQ characters into that unfortunate trope that we really should be past now in 2020, right? Um, Yeah. And uh, so, you know, I'm happy to see it done really, really well. I really appreciate it. I do not at all think it took away and had any sort of negative aspect to the story at all. I thought it was really, really good storytelling. Um, no. We love Star Wars. I mean, Star Wars romance genuine. is also like has always been a, such a cool part of any tale. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's a lo- it, it's love stories and space epics. You know? Yeah, it's yeah. Great. I mean, look- absolutely. And it felt cool. I mean, the whole library scene was fantastic. <laughs> like, so yeah. Good. I mean, look at how we feel yeah. about Lost Stars. So we're no we're no uh, strangers. Mm-hmm. We're not shying away from romance and Star Wars. But you know, to get back to the point that you made, Corey. You know, if a type of person exists here on Earth, on our one planet, they probably exist in a galaxy far, far away, right? Oh, my gosh. I mean, yes. so yes. <laughs> so they should be represented. And they should not only be in these stories, but they should be able to feel like they're the hero in these stories, too, right? Yeah. So the fact mm-hmm. that it was Absolutely. not just the character that was included, but it was the character, right? It, it was yeah. Dr. Right. Afra. I think that's huge. And, and I hope right. that we see more of that. Yeah. Um, yeah, totally. But, you know, it, it wasn't just Afra um, that was going on a lot of these missions in the books. There were a lot of characters that they pulled in, and a couple of new additions, at least to the Afra storyline, we've known about them since the comics, were Triple Zero and BT-1. And so I just want to get y'all's uh, overall thoughts, because I really feel like these droids add so much to the story. <laughs> um, you know, obviously they're based off of, they're kind of like the, I don't know, anti-C-3PO and anti-R2-D2 in a way, um, but how, how do you all yes. feel about them? What do you think they bring to the story? Uh, they're they're great, man. Like when they were first, like you said, when they were first in the comic, it's clearly three PO and R two as evil people. And what I liked about this comic specifically is that I always had Triple um, Zero's voice in my head as three PO, but maybe a bit deeper. 
And then you listen to it, and it's a completely different voice. And I'm like, oh, well, of course. He's a completely different droid. But that was kind of fun. It was really cool to actually hear, oh, droids don't just sound like 3PO with different pitches. So I like that a lot. Uh, I really like. Um, well, you know, that's kind of an important question to ask too, because you know, Phantom Menace, we had the uh, the silver, uh, whatever uh, protocol droid that sounded like a female C three PO. right. Was exactly like you remember that. So, yeah. Yeah. So um, I, it's funny. His voice sounded a lot. Let's see. We're talking about Triple um, Zero right now. Triple yeah. Zero's voice sounded a lot like uh, I, I can't remember the ki- the character's name in the Rebels TV show that kind of was like oh, the uh, AP five. AP5. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, yes. I think he sounded a lot like that and um I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. The the scene where he like where they spray painted yeah. gold so he could pretend to be C3PO was incredible. Like <laughs> Yeah. It was fantastic. And I mean, shout out to the voice actor there who's uh, uh Sean, it's Sean. I forgot his last name. He played Saifa DS in Dooku. And like shout out to him because he had to play himself playing Triple Zero playing 3PO. <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> incredible, incredible stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I, I They're so much fun. I, I want, like, just spinoffs, <laughs> like, just with them. I would watch them walking on a desert planet for, like, a whole movie, and I would still enjoy it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, there were a lot of other characters that were in this as well. Obviously, Afra first was, you know, she premiered in the Darth Vader comic, so Vader features heavily in this in this comic book and we see other familiar faces too like Boba Fett like the Emperor and you know time and time again in this story we see Afra kind of outsmarting a lot of a lot of these characters almost shockingly easily in a few cases uh like with Boba Fett in particular I was kind of taken aback when she basically tricks him into telling her top secret information by saying and this is paraphrasing, I already know what you know, though I'm not going to tell you what that is, so you might as well just tell me or I'll hang up this call. <laughs> and he totally falls yeah. for it. And, you know, while that makes him deserve his death in the Sarlacc pit all the more, um, do you feel like, you know, there were times in this story where Vader or Boba or someone like that was kind of, like, bested really easily? Like, did that take away from their general impressiveness at all? Or were you just like, yeah, I could see this. Uh, I I kind of I kind of uh, want to go back to like what we were talking about about Afra is telling the story how she mm-hmm. wants to tell it. Oh like, yeah. sure. So yeah. So I, I didn't actually. Like, I was. I think at first glance, I guess, or at first listen, Charles, I was kind of with you. I was like, "This is Boba Fett, man. He just like totally gave everything away to Afra, and Vader is just falling for her tricks all the time. What the heck? Like, but then I'm like. Yeah, I mean, this is Afro, and she's like lying through her teeth probably this whole time. So I, I don't, I, I kind of thought that, I, I kind of justified it in my head a little bit like that. Yeah, I like, I like that mix. I do, and I, but I also at the same time, kind of using the same idea, like the fact that we have seen Darth Vader and Boba Fett at their like most badass epic, right? And we haven't really seen them in the day to day. So I think <laughs> there is definitely a possibility that they're on an off day. Like, I'm not seeing yeah. <laughs> Darth Vader or Darth Lord of the Sith. I'm seeing Darth Vader, like, the middle management guy that's just like, oh, my God, fine, whatever. Like, get away from me. <laughs> I'm not yes. in a military thing right now. And I think Afra seems, throughout this, this audio drama, she is very good at reading people. Sometimes she ignores that and just says what she wants anyway. But I think she, she is pretty good at realizing, okay, Boba Fett, you really want this contract and you kind of want to impress people a lot. So I'm going to, like 
tw tink like tinker with that a little bit and twist that to my advantage and just do little things here and there and poke and poke and poke and poke until I get my way. And then we'll be buds. So I think it's she is so unique as a character that seeing people like Vader and Boba Fett meet her, it's like they've never encountered anyone like Afra before. How do you deal with her? She's not a commander. <laughs> so I, I, I did like that as well. Right. Yeah. Well, thank you for the mental image, Eric. I'm I'm picturing Darth Vader at like the coffee pot, just being like, "Oh, Vader, or Afra, not now. <laughs> I mean, it's too early." <laughs> well, doesn't the Emperor get on to Vader for like killing all his officers like all the time, like in the comics and stuff like that? That has he occurred should. multiple times. He has. It has occurred multiple times in the comics and books where he's like, <laughs> "You can't just kill everybody." So I mean, you know. He's got it a, is very hard to pay for all of the training videos <laughs> we have to make for everyone that must be replaced. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yes, exactly. Yeah, well, <laughs> can, can, you, can you imagine the onboarding process after the destruction of the first Death Star? Like, holy crap. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> that, they had to lose, like, 30% of it. More than that, like, 50% of the military or something like that with the destruction of the first Death Star. Like, that would have been... Yeah, Terrible. could you imagine yeah. going? Hey, everyone! <laughs> Welcome to day one of Empire training. Uh, we realize that you're here because we all got slaughtered by a single missile. You are going to make another giant death weapon moon base. Please get your uniforms here. Remember, everyone, synergy. We're a team. <laughs> <laughs> and the coffee costs after the first cup. Please. That's kind of what happened, Nick, though, right? Like in yeah. Lost Stars, they accelerated everybody's yeah. rank. Yes. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because Sienna, like, that's what they were saying. Like to backstab her, like, oh, you just rose because of the Death Star. Yeah. And she's like, exactly. uh, actually, <laughs> I'm really good at that's this. Right. That's right. Yeah, this is not that far fetched. Um, but you know, Afra, there. I think there was a, a kind of depiction of Vader in this story, and I love what you were saying, Corey, about how you know maybe it's because she is that unreliable narrator, and I really, I didn't connect those dots so i like that idea but vader in particular i think gets a little bit shown up in this story in a way that we haven't seen since like uh since thrawn alliances you know by the grand admiral himself yeah. and we get these moments of vader being like really stoic and private and then he shares super intimate information that afra even says specifically is quote way above her pay grade like, he'll just, like, mutter something about, like, Padme out of nowhere, and then it'll be, like, vital information. <laughs> um, did that seem out of character to you, or was it – you just fell back on the same thing? Like, I don't know, that that Afra is kind of making some of this up as she goes along. You know, I actually really liked the – small vulnerability with with vader because i think mm -hmm. i think i think vader is a unique character in that he is definitely you know like part man part machine right like and i think these scenes are definitely the man vader and not the machine right and we know that he has a soft spot for luke in the movies even like yeah. i mean luke is able to turn him mm -hmm. from the dark side at the very end and you know, we're starting to get a little, a little bit more really cool content surrounding Padme in the uh, comics now too, right? Mm -hmm. So Vader still definitely has a soft spot for for Padme, and it's not all just evil dark side, right? Like, um, we can't forget that that's what drove him to this anyway, right? So, I, I didn't think it. I thought I felt a little bit out of character that he would just like mutter stuff, but also he's sort of like, 
I think he just is expecting to just kill Afro whenever he's done with her yeah. <laughs> at some yeah. point. So yeah. well, maybe th- that he just doesn't really care that she knows a little bit more, perhaps. I think that's honestly Vader's MO. Like, I think that maybe he mutters that stuff all the time. And, like, if you yeah. say anything, you're just going to die. So yeah. don't. Like, you know, <laughs> also, maybe, like, hear what Vader said? Dude, shut up. Uh, that's right. <laughs> like, I didn't hear anything. I don't know what you're talking about. No, but I mean, I mean, I mean, sorry. Go back to your console, Carl. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> yeah, I, I, there's also the whole fact that, like, he is actively having Afro like, work on some of this stuff for him, too, right? Like, yeah. Like, she's involved in t- tracking down Skywalker. So, you know, I think uh, I think it kind of fits in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't mind it. I like it. I think it's, it's fun. And again, I'm a sucker for vulnerable moments for powerful people. Like it's very sweet when you see the evil guy be like, "But what if I wasn't mad all the time? Like I just want to be a real boy." And it's like, "Aw, buddy." Well, I agree with Eric because maybe he does that all the time. It's just not talked about because the whole reason that he's Vader is because of Padme, right? Exactly. The right. he yeah. turned himself that way is because he was in love with his wife and he wanted her to live and. He choked her, man. I mean, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then exactly. his best friend, you know, lied about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is also this is wait, also wait. You told me she. Wait a minute, Palpatine. That's not the <laughs> truth. I don't know. I want that. I want that scene. He shouldn't have killed him so quick. Charles, I think this is. I think this idea too of like, like. Nobody talking about Vader is actually something that we can we can legitimately talk about because I think this is similar. This is like a similar trope to like like I'm sure you've worked with these type of people before, Charles, like a super angry surgeon that has <laughs> like a really, really bad temper and just nobody acknowledges yeah, it at yeah. all. Like like they just lose their absolute mind in the operating room. I mean, they'll throw shit and like yell in people's faces and everybody just acts like it's just a regular part of the environment. And that is absolutely like not acceptable in any way. And thank God we're like moving away from that sort of like era in medicine. But it definitely still happens. Like I've seen some pretty awful stuff and just nobody talks about it. Like like maybe in hushed hushed corners over lunch, like Whoa! Did you see that, Doctor Smith? Man, like he like I thought he was gonna I thought he was gonna choke her to death in the <laughs> room, right? Like like, but that's it. Like nobody ever talks about it openly. So uh, it's like the I, undercover boss the, sketch with Kylo Ren. Yes, it really yeah. is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, totally. Where's is. my muffin, Matt? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's a good oh, it's a good parallel, and I sincerely hope that literally everyone on the Death Star uh, knows all of Vader's deepest, darkest secrets, and he just thinks that nobody <laughs> knows. Um, oh my god! Okay, sorry to go off the rails again. So, <laughs> do you remember that robot, the robot chicken skit, where they're speaking of onboarding, they're training everybody to pretend to be choked by Vader. Do you remember that? Yes. And they're yes. like, oh, this guy's no. this guy's like- guy's standing up in front of all these officers. And he's like, all right, everyone. Now remember, we have to pretend that Vader can choke us to death. He thinks that he can do it. <laughs> so whenever he gets really mad at you, he's gonna hold up his hand and he has somebody demonstrating, and he's like, You pretend to choke, you fall, two people come, they take you. They take you away. We pretend that you're dead. We give you a disguise. A disguise. You resume your duties. And the guy comes back. And he's like, Charles over here has been yeah. choked twelve times. <laughs> he's got like a mullet and a hat and like glasses and a mustache. And it's like, 
It's fantastic. Yes. One day we will get around to uh, just commenting on all of the robot chicken and Family Guy specials. That has to happen. We quote them <laughs> yes. too often. There you go. Patreon hey, goals. We do have a uh, we do have a, a night of the opera. That coming would be up, a lot of actually. fun. Actually, we were we were gonna. We were going to watch uh, a whole bunch of Mandalorian leading up to the new season, but I don't know. Robot Chicken we'll might see. be a good contender. <laughs> we'll see. But, you know, getting back to to the point that Wes made, which is that Vader is Vader because of Padme Amidala, there's some pretty crucial stuff involving, uh, you know, Padme in this story. And we get a specific scene when Afra and the droids go to confront this guy named Commodex Tan. And he was the mortician who was responsible for Padme's burial. And Padme basically tells Tan, uh, you know, in a recording that we get to hear that she's about to go out on a mission that she might not return from. And so I guess Tan may be the last person I actually hear from Padme before she went to Mustafar. And beyond that, she ends up revealing she's pregnant. Um, she asked Tan to assist in keeping the child safe if need be, because they don't do prenatal ultrasounds in a galaxy far, far away. And they don't know there are two <laughs> until they're in the birthing suite. Um, <laughs> and, you know, ultimately Tan divulges that Padme had a son before she died. He tells Afra this and says that he was taken mm-hmm. away. Um, so let's, let's talk about this scene because, you know, we got to hear, uh, uh, Catherine Tabor be the voice of Padme. So that was amazing. You know, what were y'all's takeaways yeah. from this scene, including the fact that Tan said that there was a son that was taken away and didn't mention a daughter. Yeah, that was interesting. You know, I do, this was the one scene that I did find, I think a little bit far fetched in mm. just like from a plot perspective that, Afra just happened to come across this recording and it like didn't it like disable itself after she watched it or something like that like she couldn't make it come back on Maybe again so. or uh, she, she was just wandering around this guy's house and this guy has this secret thing of this secret he's supposed to take to his grave just like hanging on his wall I don't know I found it a little bit a little bit much for me I like the idea that that like she was able to tell him mm-hmm. but I'm not crazy about the idea of just the way that Afra stumbled on it. So, yeah, I'm kind of like I'm, I'm in a I'm in a similar boat of like, was it hard to believe that they just found that? Yeah, probably. But I'm also like, admittedly, such a freaking sucker for like the Padme mythos. Like, this is this is honestly a rather new thing, probably in the last two years since Padme has been coming into the EU so much. But like anything involving like the secret birth of the twins and all that stuff, I am like, oh yeah. I am here for it. So whenever that came on, I'm like, ooh, Naboo things? Great. That sounds cool. But I do find it interesting that it's the boy, then the girl. Or or they only hear about the son. Because Luke is born first, I guess, technically, but by, like, a second. So does that mean that whatever person was watching the security recording of this, like, secret one (laughs) is like, (laughs) all right, Luke, pause. (laughs) John, he had a son. And then you just run out and, like, dude, finish the recording yeah <laughs> you're about to see the yeah. sequel man <laughs> yeah that's a that's a good point or that's a good point i mean I, I i feel like it might have been a little bit a little bit better if uh maybe instead of like saying that like they knew that there was a son like maybe that there was they found the medical records or something like mm-hmm. that like like you say charles prenatal ultrasounds now you know we you and i both know that like it is plausible like even with you know modern medicine to miss a twin gestation oh, yeah. that is 
possible, right? I mean, we, we do have that happen. In fact, it's actually kind of hard. I've done this before. It's pretty hard to find both heartbeats. Um, makes you real nervous when you're trying to find those heartbeats. And, and you know, mom's like, is there two of them? I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Just let me find it. You know, it's, it's, it's always pretty nerve-wracking. And it's pretty challenging to find both of them. So, you know, maybe they just missed that she was pregnant with twins. And I don't know. Maybe they, if they would have found the medical records, it would have been a little more... Yeah, possible, and, to, and maybe there aren't medical records because that speculum hands robot definitely can't type on a keyboard. But you know, Ooh, absolutely <laughs> true. Maybe the keys are enormous, like this big, like and this is like kung 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 kung. That's how they type. This is maybe the craziest tangent we've ever gotten onto on maybe. a round table. I'm just gonna throw that. Out. <laughs> oh man! And ju- to uh, to address Juliana in the chat, being like, "Is this really only one round table?" Well, we'll find out. Yeah, I know. I'm starting to worry myself. I really want to try. I want to try to deliver a baby with nothing but That's, speculums. I want to see if I can do right. it. Patreon goal. <laughs> I watch the other room goes, what are Co- you talking about? <laughs> if we hit $100,000 a month, Corey will deliver your baby with speculums. <laughs> Notice how Corey's going to do this while his malpractice insurance is covered by his residency program. <laughs> that is absolutely so. correct. Absolutely correct. Anyways, you know, getting back to the story, though, um, Afra is, in a lot of ways, she's both a hero and a villain. And she does some really questionable things in this story. Thinking back to Tan, you know, again, she orders the torture and the murder of him. And I'm curious, does that affect how you view her character? Like, did that make you think any less of her? Were you like, well, that's Afra. That's her being a scoundrel. Yeah. The a second one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. A little bit. I think she <laughs> I think she sells it pretty well. Like the fact that she's so morally gray. I think she sells it pretty well. Like I don't know. I did find myself rooting both for and against Afra mm-hmm. during the story, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Yeah. Which I think is also like how it was written. I think it was written very well that way. Like we always get that these people are scoundrels, but also they'll never swear or hit a baby. Or like everyone's like, Oh, I'm a gambler in Narshada. But I always follow the stoplights. Like, Afro's like, no, I am a scoundrel. I do a lot of illegal stuff. And sometimes, yeah, I'm going to join whichever side is winning. And she's pretty frank about it. So I think because the rules are set up in that way, whenever she does that stuff, I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And I still feel (laughs) for her when the emotional, like, downfalls hit because, you know, she's she told me who she was. Yeah. It's like, oops! I gotta, I gotta kill this bus full of children. Oh well, I guess it's just part of the mission. <laughs> I told you I was a children bus killer. You just didn't listen. That's right. It brings I mean, you back around <laughs> for her as being a villain, right? So if you start like getting on her side, like you said, Corey, then you're like, oh yeah, she's uh, she she's said pretty murder scummy. these people. So yeah, she's a villain. I gotta remember that she's still a villain. She is. That's right. Yes. <laughs> she's Darth Vader's intern. Yeah. Like this is the yeah. thing. Yeah. She's learning <laughs> yes, from the best. Accurate. Uh, you know, she also repeatedly says throughout this whole story that, you know, love and goodness uh, can be equated with weakness. So it, all of that kind of seems to stem from the story of her mother who who died, what she described as weak and in terror, um, basically because of her love for her daughter, her love for Afra. And she makes yeah. similar comments about Padme saying that you can't be both good and strong as a queen. And, you know, towards the end of the story, she um, even reveals that she personally pulled away from Sana because, and I quote, saying yes would have tied me to someone who made me weak and I could not be weak. 
What were your overall thoughts on her kind of equating those things and, and how that played into her personality, into her character? Mm. Oh. I thought the voice acting all around that stuff was absolutely incredible. Yes. Like when she had those like emotional breakdowns toward mm. the end of the book, like, oh my gosh, that was like heartbreaking. Like she totally nailed the acting of, mm-hmm. of, of that. Yeah, and, and I think it, it, it hit me a lot because it was, like we said, we, we had this person who has lived her entire life thinking one thing about love and, like, shut herself off. Like, it's not, it's not the most original concept in the world, but it is definitely prevalent, right? This is the thing that happens to people all the time, and I think that it makes a character very sympathetic when it happens to her because she clearly loves Sana and she wants to let her in, but she's still so traumatized from the people that she loved getting destroyed over it. And I think, you know, that that's a Star Wars tale of all Star Wars mm-hmm. tales, you know, is being afraid of loss and shutting yourself right. off. It's what they all do. So I think it really made her a, a, even more of a relatable character by the end to the point where, like you were saying on the last point, yeah, she's done some terrible things, but, oh, I get it. She is so afraid of loss, and the only way to prevent loss is to not form attachments. So that's right. I really loved it. And, yeah, you're right, Corey. Emily Wu Zeller is... I mean, her and Sarah Kuhn together with those words and that acting, really incredible pairing. Yeah, it's incredible. Uh, yeah, it's a yeah. great combo. Um, you know, weirdly enough, if someone had listened to this project and not read the comics, there were some really big moments that were left out, like Chewbacca versus Black Chrysanthemum. That was a fight that happened in the Vader Down series. And, you know, there were some other moments that were probably also very confusing when they happened, if you didn't read the comics. Like, for example, Vader suddenly being attacked by Carbon, who's a cross between Admiral Akbar and General Grievous, oh, yeah. out of nowhere. Also from the Vader yes. Down portion of the story, but that was in this project. Or uh, or Enob's random attack on Sunspot Prison. So that was uh, the guy that was, like, had it out for Leia, and he's the one that released Afra and all the other prisoners from from Sunspot, you know, readers of the comics knew all of these backstories. So was it a good strategy to, to include those plot points in this story? Does it take away from the project that people might not have known what was going on or might've gotten lost? Or is this going to just incentivize people to pick up the comics? I thought it was, um, I thought it was done pretty well um, in that like Afra had commentary on it. Like, yeah, like like the way that she talked about like uh, Vader's off doing this weird thing of some guy I've never seen I don't know what the hell that's all about like you know like it was kind of talked about like that so like I, I don't think it I don't know I have read that part mm-hmm. of the comic though so maybe it maybe I'm I'm not I'm not sure if I'm able to truly give you an unbiased thought there yeah it's it's it's, it's a tough one to say because the point of this of the whole audio drama is Afra's personal journey right if we're if we're saying like what is the story being told? It's Afra telling her own tale of this evolution. So while those may have been important events to like the grand tale of like the whole Vader down thing, I, I think that for what we needed to get out of it, I think the cuts were pretty appropriate and the stuff that maybe wasn't able to be followed quite as easily by the end of it. Did we need it? Like, did we, did we need to know this moment? No. Cause at the end we still, we're only really concerned with Afra's emotional journey, and we got that. So I think that when you're, you're picking and choosing what to insert in, she picked the most Afra-centric moments, and the other stuff just had to get left on the cutting room floor. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think that's fair. Yes, I think absolutely. that's fair. Eric, your curtains are moving behind yeah. you, man. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I'm gonna, t- I'm gonna tell. That's why you gotta hang out on Monday nights because I have my air conditioner on behind my curtains uh, because it's really hot in Chicago right now, and it looks like a spooky murderer is going to come get me during the live stream. We've been talking about it the whole time behind the scenes. It's really great. Every time Eric's big video comes on the screen, it's like, it's like. Wiggle, 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 wiggle. Oh God, he's about to get murdered live on the air. Oh man! All right, y'all. Last question before we jump on to before we jump on to Easter eggs. Could this story, do you think, be evidence that Afra is about to become a part of the larger story? Like, was this an effort maybe to make more fans aware of the character before she shows up in a TV series or in a film, Ooh. or is this a strategy they might Great use in question. the future? Ooh. That's a really good question. I, um, I, I have a short answer to this. So I want to I jump in, and then Corey. I want to hear what you want you have to say, and Wes. But like, I think that she already is in a way, and I, and I and why I say that is because she's like the first comic book character in quite <clears throat> a long time, at least in the canon, that got her own Black Series figure. Mm, good point. Um, she got her two runs of her own self-titled comic book after showing up in Vader. Like she's a she's a playable character in the Outer Rim board game. I played right. that awesome. last week. Right. Yeah, I don't know if you guys knew that. So I'd yeah. say that I think my answer to that is that she already is. And I think that yeah. she is the character more than any that showed the legitimacy of the comics on the same level as the books. Um, I think the TV shows and the films are still they're always going to be a little higher purely because of viewership and like the time you have to put into them. Mm-hmm. Like it takes a lot less dedication to read to, to watch a movie than to read a book or a comic. But I think Afra's there. This is like announcing her arrival. I think she's a pretty fitting character. Um, all right, to answer your to answer your question, like Charles, do we do we think that she's they're prepping her? Maybe I don't think they think that far ahead. <laughs> Quite frankly, that also is true. Um, <laughs> yes, but but I think that I think that she's certainly a fitting enough character to make it on screen in some capacity. Sure. Like Emily Wuzeller, um, let's go. Yeah, absolutely. Like, put her in a a single episode of The Mandalorian. That, that show is like perfect for that sort of uh, yeah. that sort of storytelling medium, right? Like, there's rumors they're gonna put Ahsoka in it, but or some crap, right? I don't so, know if like, you heard, guys. There's a leak that uh, that that were in it. Did I, you know that we, that's what I heard too, guys. Leak leak confirmed. Everyone you know is actually in the Mandal. <laughs> we're in the Mandalorian right now. This is an <laughs> episode is of The Mandalorian. Leaks confirmed. <laughs> yes, nice. absolutely. Notoriety. <laughs> Well, how know. about um, how about she turns up in a new series of Rebels? Could that work? Ooh. We we have our we have our good guys, right? We've always had our good yeah. guys, and some of the bad guys turn into good guys. But how about we got a main bad guy, an Afra? Oh, that's true. That actually like fun. the Yeah, put her you in. Know, an I think that'd be an easy way to introduce <clears throat> her too. Yeah, and we do we do talk about that that certain stories work certain like pretty well in certain mediums and a lot of times it's hard to get animation to live action it's oftentimes hard to get comics to audio dramas maybe comic to animation wouldn't be such a hard jump perhaps right yeah oh my god yeah put afra in, in the next animated show i would love that yeah all about it yeah i think we're going to be seeing more of afra whether it's a movie tv show another audio drama who knows but there's more afra on the way 
um, and we'll yep. all be happy to see it. But y'all, it's time to jump into some Easter eggs. There really aren't too many because when it comes to audiobooks, I do not have quite the attention for detail that I do uh, for when I'm reading the actual page. But let's go ahead and run through You them. do a great job, Charles. I don't <laughs> I care do what, what Charles says. Says that as I'm looking at literally a page no, and a it's of not, Easter eggs. <laughs> it's not that much. <laughs> Stop looking. Um, yeah, Corey, what are you doing, man? <laughs> so, backing up, backing up. To open it up. Afra actually opens the book by stating that she has more lives than a Tuka cat. So again, we get the Tuka cat. It's the it's the oh, most meow. common. That was weirdly very good. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Have you been practicing <laughs> you very much. in the mirror every morning? I I, I live with two Tuka cats, that so I fair. think that's what it is. Yeah, but this is like still <laughs> the most used reference I think in canon since Disney's taken over. It's the Tuka cat. Um, Bless it. We learn that Maz Kanata is the one that's chasing after Afra at the beginning of the story to try to uh, to get back the stolen antique stealth micro droid dust, which say that five times fast. But, you know, <laughs> those micro droids were in the comics, but we never knew that it was Maz that was chasing her. So that was a new addition. Always love Maz. Yes. Um, she should show up, honestly, like in every story. Yeah. I think I would not be surprised. Like even a rumbling of Maz Kanata, let's do it. I'm I'm with you and offering to do <laughs> weird drugs with Poe Dameron, like she did in Resistance Reborn. Yes. <laughs> um, Droidicus chase Afra when she steals Triple Zero's personality matrix. So it's always fun to see those from the prequels. Oh, there are those Droidicas. Exactly. Oh. Exactly. In chapter five, <laughs> Afra is talking about Vader, and she says, Lord Vader, as in the one and only Darth Vader? I thought he was a myth, a boogeyman parents used to get their unruly younglings to behave. And maybe it wasn't, but it felt to me like it was a reference to George Mann's work, which, you know, was meant to be oh. in-universe. So it was kind of cool that, like, we get a reference to Vader as a boogeyman, and we have this in-universe yeah. story of Vader as a boogeyman. That's a right? good point. Yeah, I like, it. I like that yeah, a lot. So working in some of his stuff, and we love George here. So, Triple um, Zero says at one point, "If I believed in the Maker, I would thank them," and that's definitely a reference to C three PO's famous line of "Thank the Maker." <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see here. So Afra's father is named Corin. I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> yes, it is Science. not spelled the same Science. way. So don't get too excited, y'all. But it is definitely Corrin. Um, we learn a little bit about Corrin, like that he's researching Jedi artifacts, specifically those of the Knights of the Ordu Aspectu, and that storyline plays out fully in the Afra comics. So if that sounded cool to you, go and mm-hmm. pick those up. They, those get real trippy. There's like a sentient force fungus, just if you haven't read yes. it. Everyone should go and read that. There's your teaser. <laughs> um, in Chapter 14, Vader references Boba Fett losing a fight against Luke Skywalker on Tatooine. And Afra is like, what is he talking about? And that is a scene from the Star Wars mainline comic. So you'll need to go and pick that up as well. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I remember I remember stopping the recording and was like, that that he didn't even... You didn't even fight him in the in episode four. What is he yeah, talking see? about? So I had to go look <laughs> it up. And then you yeah. found it, yeah. It's a they cool fight. fight. I think it's in uh, in old Ben's old hut, too, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it yeah. is. Um, so also in chapter 14, Afra learns Luke's full name, and she states, hey, was that a first name to go with that last name I've never heard of? 
But, you know, this is kind of a little bit of a walk back because George Lucas has said many times over the years that the reason that Vader couldn't find his son with his own name on the planet in which he was raised was because Skywalker was apparently the equivalent of, like, Johnson in a galaxy far, far away. And she was just like, Skywalker, what the heck is that? I've never heard of that. But anyways. Okay, George. I know, right? right? (laughs) Love you. Okay. Now, in Chapter (laughs) 17, a bouncer in the bar tells Black Chrysanthemum and the crew that, and I quote, your kind aren't welcome here. So it was just like woo her in A New Hope. Classic, uh, and then classic. Black Crescenton proceeds to get in a pit fight and rips off his opponent's arms, as Wookiees tend to do. But yes! was, what was pretty messed up is his opponent was a Wookiee, so he ripped off a Wookiee's arms. That's, That's terrible. That is terrible. That, is hard. that was gruesome. Yeah. That was a gruesome scene. The sound effects alone. <laughs> yeah, a lot, of, a lot of bone and sinew. But anyways, Triple um, mm. Zero states at one point that he hopes to be coated in a precious metal. So that's definitely a callback to C-3PO as well. Um, in Chapter right. 30, Vader references Inspector Thanos. And I was so hyped because he is like the greatest character of all time. He's basically Sherlock Holmes in space. If y'all have not read these, he literally <laughs> has mutton chops. Like he is just wait, fantastic. <laughs> wait, what? I've never heard of this. Person. Thanos? Yes. Like, I, I've never yes. heard of this either. Like the Thanos snap? What are you Dude, talking about? Like, I am inevitable. We all know this character, like, right? No. Dude, oh, my God. No, he's not from the Clone Wars. He's only from the comics. Only from the Vader comics. All right. No well, recollection of this guy whatsoever. I have read the Vader you comics. Know, How I you know who this, this char- who this character is then. Like, Inspector Thanos. Inspector T H A N O T H Thanos. He has a He has a he literally has a Dang. what do you call a monocle? He has a monocle. He's a monocle. He's, he's pretty fantastic. So if you if you don't know who he is, that was a great name drop. Wow. He really is one of my favorite like comic characters like ever. So yes, there he there is. is. I haven't pulled up. He looks oh, like very muttony. He looks nobody's he looks like awesome. he's super smart. Actually, he really is exactly like Sherlock Holmes in space. Like that is the best way to describe him. Interesting. He, he figures really cool. stuff out. Larceny is the least of the great crimes. Mark my words, we'll have tidied this away exactly. within the day. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Um, all right. So moving on from him, but go look him up. Um, Afra actually repairs the Millennium Falcon in this story because she's hoping to use it for herself, but. You know, that means that when we first see the Falcon in Empire Strikes Back, that it had actually been worked on recently by Afra, And so that's just a really cool connection for next time that you're watching the movie. Interesting, interesting. Love that. Yes. Um, so now Catherine Tabor, I already mentioned, returned as the voice of Padme in the recorded message. So that was great. Um, we've already talked about Carbon and Enib being characters who came back from the comics. Um Aphra at one point says to the Emperor, the apprentice has become, and then the Emperor cuts her off and says, you will regret finishing that sentence. But, of course, that's a reference to Vader's, <laughs> when I met you, I was but the learner. Now I am the master. Now I am the master. Exactly. And now let's go ahead and end this out the most fitting way that I think we could, which is with Triple Zero's best quotes. So I have a couple here. Oh, yes, please. The first one is, we could always simply murder everyone we encounter. No matter the problem, I usually find that to be the most elegant solution. 
<laughs> Marvelous. As then do he I. says about Luke, we could just kill Skywalker, Mistress Afra. In my experience, most organics are pretty much interchangeable. Bring Lord Vader a couple more yellow-haired ones to make up for the loss. He'll get over it. <laughs> yeah. oh, Yikes, give my me guy. that scene where they just bring like five imposter <laughs> Lukes to Vader and he's like, What what is this? <laughs> Who is responsible? <laughs> I don't like that. Please no. Um about BT, he says, Look at him go. Wanton destruction really brings out his playful side, doesn't it? It's always nice to see someone who's passionate <laughs> about what they do. <laughs> and then finally we get hello captain solo i'm quite looking forward to torturing you later <laughs> so love such a good love character triple zero. in his uplifting voice yes he's <laughs> yeah because he is he is looking he forward really to is it. truly he is joyfully evil and uh and guys that's how we'll leave it so again not as many as we normally have but Still plenty of Easter eggs in this story. So let's just go back around and re-rate the audio drama on a 1 to 10 like we normally do. Give me any final thoughts you have, and then uh, we'll wrap this up. So, Eric, I came to you first. Let's hear what you have to say. All right. I started today at an 8.4. I'm just going to round that out. I'm making an even 8.5. Let's be simple about it. I had a really good time with this. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I think it flew by as I was listening. I really like the Afro character a lot more uh, listening to this than I did just reading the comics. And I think Sarah Kuhn's adaptation skills are great. And I hope she gets to write uh, more audio dramas if she wants, books if she wants. And overall, I want Emily Wuzeller now in Star Wars animation like yesterday. Yeah, 8.5. Had a blast. Okay, so you actually went up. Corey, what do you think? I did. My point one. <laughs> I'm st- I'm sticking to my sticking my hard seven point five. Coward! I, I really enjoyed. <laughs> I really enjoyed the book. Um, I I think that uh, it was a lot of fun to listen to. Uh, I'm so super into uh, the new audio drama format. Like I hope we get a whole bunch more of these. These are awesome. Yeah. Um, I did find I did find Afra to be a little bit over the top at times. Like that that sort of took me out of the story just a little bit. Um, but like I definitely don't think it took away from the story in like as a whole. So you know I liked it. It was good. I mean that still falls into the uh, on utini.com. That's the good category. Like I think I think above. And eight is a is a very good. So like seven and a half to eight is like good. And I think that's that's a you know it was good. It was good. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. Yeah. All right, Wes. What do you think? Not not not, not to be not to be confused with the uh, fine. It wasn't fine. It was good. <laughs> I don't know why. I, I don't know why exactly. I'm saying it all loud and squeaky like that. It was good. <laughs> uh, all right, Wes. What do you think? Um, I'm sticking with my 7.2. Um, I'm a, I'm a big proponent for the score and the themes, uh, from the score that are in the, that are in the movies. And in this particular audio drama, they had, I think they had like, uh, Luke and Leia's theme and they also had, um, Anakin and Padme's theme play just like for random character, not random characters, but for characters that shouldn't deserve those those, those spots of the score. That's a good point. I actually um, noticed that too. Yeah. Oh, hey, sorry. Kinda... Sorry to interrupt you, Wes. Eddie yeah. Play is uh, 455 just followed us. So thank you for the Appreciate Twitch that. follow. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I did. I did notice that too. It was. It was. It was weird, Wes. Um, like uh, something about. I'm not sure why they just dropped in random sort of, uh, random sort of audio tracks like, in there. Yeah, kind of like, like they felt they had to have times. those in there. Like they had. Yeah, to... it was odd. Yeah, they had. You know what? You're right. Fit it in. Six. Make it a six. (laughs) (laughs) 
Throw it out. <laughs> you know, that's kind of one of the reasons I didn't rate it as high. But I like the story. <laughs> but again, I, this was brand new to me. I haven't read any of the comics. Yeah. So um, it was fun. It was fun to listen to. I hope we get more. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. agree. You Let's know, Eric really, I think he's twisted my arm. He's made a really good case for this project. And so I'm going to go from my 7.3 up to a 7.4 uh, begrudgingly. My my You're a my hero. final comments more Afra. You're a true hero, Charles. Yes, I know, <laughs> I know. My final comments more Afra, more life. That's it for this roundtable. <laughs> I love it. That's right. Also, uh, just to kind of round that out, I was just looking on the site too, and it looks like um, our final review of Afra too. I just lost it. There it is. Our final review of Afra is an overall is an eight point and it's very good. So yeah. it's got a set it's got a seven for plot, an eight point seven for character, seven point seven for originality, eight point for writing, and eight point seven for entertainment. So actually I think on average the team liked it, the review team particularly who are more educated and more interesting than uh you know Charles <laughs> West or myself. Absolutely. Hundred <laughs> percent. Eric is on the review team, so I don't know what you know. happened. I don't know I don't know what could happen there. <laughs> Was to say, the, uh, you know, team liked it a lot. Very good. Yeah. So Not fine. Yeah. So an excellent, excellent, uh, excellent roundtable, guys. I had a good time with that. And again, if you're listening and you'd listen to the Dr. Afra, head over to utini.com on the book profile. Leave your star review. I mean, if everyone who listened to this episode rated the Afra audio drama, it'd be, I'd be insane. It'd be a lot. But please do. We'd love to hear what you think of it. And any other book you've read, of course, over at Utini. And a reminder, next week, or maybe an announcement. I guess it's not a reminder because that's in the past. An announcement for the future. We'll be talking about Clone Wars, Stories of Light and Dark, and Dark Legends next week. We're combining the two in like an anthology show. Um, are you guys excited about that? Charles, Corey, Wes, an anthology show? Are you stoked? I see. I'm more uh, nervous than excited because I haven't read either. All right. so. I knew it. That's why I asked you. <laughs> yes, I'm gonna, but I'm gonna blow through them this week for sure. I'm on vacation this week, guys. That's awesome. Oh my god, yes. Congrats. Yep. So I'm gonna blow yeah. through them. Yeah, right. I'm looking for forward to it. Uh, we've gone. We, you know, we're, it's basically a stress test for me. I think so. Let's let's condense things for a project down into one episode, and now let's just put multiple things in one episode. That's fine. I'm fine. We're all hmm. fine here now. We're all fine. It's going to be great. Well, until then, my friends, that is going to do it for this week's episode of The Living Force. If you're already supporting us over on Patreon, go ahead and head over to Discord right now. Join the Aftermath After Show video channel where we're hanging out for the after party. $5 patrons get to listen in. $10 patrons get to join in out in the fun. A special thank you to Cheryl Bell, Alec Householder, and Patrick Ortiz on our Jedi High Council, and Sally and Chris Eilerson on our Alliance High Command for their amazing support of this show and everything you teeny. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Eric Eilerson. Corey is at Doc Star Wars MD. Charles is at C. Hankel. A special thank you to Matt Davenport, our amazing editor. Wes, our producer and community manager. Thank you to Corey, Charles, and Wes for podcasting with me. Thanks to all of you for watching and listening. And as always, may the Force be with you. There is no hatred. There is joy. There is no division. There is union. There is no apathy. There is passion. There is no gatekeeping. There is community. This is the Utini Star Wars fan code. Embrace it, live by it, and above all, trust in the living force. That's all for this week. Join our community and surround yourself with like-minded fans by visiting us online at utini.com. Until next time, may the force be with you. <laughs>